Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 564th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who teaches people how to recognize clean, healthy food. We're talking with Pia Maffei about exploring clean eating. Pia used to think she was eating clean because she didn't eat fast food or go to chain restaurants. She cooked mostly at home, ate beef about three times a year, and would only go out to eat in fine dining restaurants. In 2013, after a successful 25 years in technology, she opened a small, curated market called Artisan's Palette in Temecula, California. It quickly attracted many local artisans who were making their products fresh and with love. However, she soon realized that they were using the same inexpensive ingredients commonly found in mass-produced processed foods, and they wanted to charge double the price. Just because they were making it from scratch didn't mean it was clean. From that day forward, she started to scrutinize both the ingredients used and the processes that were implemented in the food she carried at the market and began to work only with suppliers that were conscientious when sourcing ingredients and farming practices. Welcome to the show today, Pia. Are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Yeah, that was a great intro. Thank you. That said a lot. That was uh, a mouthful for sure. (laughs) Filling in some of the blanks might be to start, and I won't go all the way through because it's like, oh my God, she's starting in 2012. But no, I'll do the, um, the rapid version of it. But in 2012, it was my last year in technology, and it was the end of the quarter, and I was in New York City. And if you remember, that year was the year of Sandy, the hurricane. Oh, yeah. And I was in, yes, and I was in the city for a trade show because at that time in my life, up to about 25 years, all I did was travel. I was constantly on a plane and going from trade show to event to training event, you name it, I was out. So when I was in the city, it was still recovering. And there was, I was in, at the Javits Center waiting for my equipment to come. And like everybody else, they just, nothing was coming. You couldn't get into the city. 
There were delays everywhere. And at the time, I was working for a French company, and they had no idea what was going on. I was I was the chief operating officer for a technology company at the time. And I mean, this was a worldwide news for Hurricane Sandy, but there was not a lot of compassion of what we had to go through to, to even get to the event and then make the event happen. So while I was there for three days is when I had really my epiphany. So when... I was there hearing story after devastating story of people homeless and lost everything and didn't have anything left to go back to. By about the third day of hearing these stories, one after another, made my like, oh, I can't get my equipment to get into my booth seem like, my God, how ridiculous am I right now? <laughs> right. And so, you know, so... On the last day, I met this woman. She was so happy. She had this. She had this face. She was so glowing. I thought, oh my god, thank God, somebody that has a good story, like somebody I could like just be happy for for in these three days, which have been so miserable and feeling really bad for these people that lost everything. And uh, she came up to me. We just started talking. She was so happy, and I said, oh, I guess, I guess you, you you weren't one of the ones that like lost everything. She goes. Oh, no, dear. No, I lost everything. And I go, oh, and it threw me off, you know, and I'm like, why are you so happy? And I didn't even notice. But upstairs, we were in one section of the Javits Center. Upstairs was a show going on that was all about food. And I had met her and she said, well, I'm going up there. And you know what? And I thought, what? (laughs) I have no idea what. And she goes, I know how to make a really good bunt cake. And I go, oh, okay, that's awesome. And I didn't know where she was going with it. And she goes, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to sell it. And I thought, wow, that what a spirit. What a great woman. And I came home that night into my hotel room. I called my husband. I go, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with this part of my life. I'm going to follow my dream. I love food. I love being around food. I love the people who make the food. And if I could find people just like this woman that told me the story, that's what I'm going to do. And that was the beginning of how I came up with Artisan's Palette. Wow. That was a moving story. My question for you is, do you know who that woman was? No, no. She she appeared and then just disappeared. I mean, like not like, like it was some you know, out of body experience, nothing like that. Right. Just she showed she up. Came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. She just showed up in front of me. The face I'll never forget. She was so happy, and the smile. It was the smile that she, that attracted me. And then when she said what she said with with the spirit in which in which she said it, which is this great American spirit, I was like, yeah, I've got to do this. I've got to wow. be part of this. Gotta love those kind mm-hmm. of moving stories. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no, thank you. So tell me about Artisan's Palette. It sounds like a cool store. So, thank you. Yeah, it's a retail store. It's a little store, 500 square feet. It's in Temecula, California. It's a highly curated shop. So I opened it. I started. I was true to my word. My, my husband was like, okay, we're, I guess, <laughs> ending this chapter. And so 
I started getting more into the community community because I lived in the community since 2000, but because I was traveling so much, I wasn't really part of the community. Mm-hmm. So I started to be part of the chamber, women's events, just getting more plugged into the scene. And that's how I found the location. And I always knew that my store was more of a destination location. Mm-hmm. It wasn't exactly looking at the crowd of people that were coming into the center. It was more about if people want this, they will come and they will find me. Mm-hmm. And seven years later, that's absolutely true. But through that, there's been some bumps in the road. Because when I first opened, that's what was on my mind was cakes. You know, oh, you know, she does this beautiful bunt cake. So it was like, okay, she had a twist on it, though. It wasn't just a bunt cake. It was a bunt cake with rum. And she had explained her little twist on it. And so I was seeking out people like that woman that I had found that just loved what she was doing. Now, you know, the difference is I went from selling a lot of sugary items and traditional items that way. And then what I do, I think very well is I listen to people. I, you know, I'm open. I listen to people. So in the first few months of opening, a lot of people would come in and say, oh, I love your store. I love what you're doing. I love that you're supporting the community, but I just can't eat this, whether it was the gluten or the sugar or some of the other ingredients that were in there. And that's when I really started to scrutinize what I was doing with, you know, the types of products I was bringing in. And then after about six to eight months, decided to pivot and started to get as, and that's really when my journey in clean eating started. Is when you got really, shall I say, choosy about what you sold? Yeah. When the customers were coming in and explaining like, you know, oh, if I ate that, uh, I'd be in bed for two weeks because, mm. you know, at that time in 20, that was at the beginning of 2013. Mm-hmm. And at when I was like exploring and trying things. And then I opened actually officially opened in June, 2013. So I'm coming up to my seven year. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. But when I would look at these ingredients, it it was, you know, gluten-free wasn't, it was on people's radar, but it wasn't as big as it is now. And not, and just because something's labeled gluten-free doesn't mean it's clean eating. So, but that was the first step of me being able to understand a little bit more that, no, it's not just somebody trying to lose weight by going gluten-free. They actually have a disease. They actually either have celiac disease or they have some form of gluten intolerance or an autoimmune condition that if they eat that, they will have a very, very bad reaction. And I didn't really appreciate that until I had this, until I opened my business. Wow. And so you've mentioned clean eating a couple of times. What is it and how Mm -hmm. do you define it? Now, how I define it, it's very different how I would have defined it before. How I define it now is very specifically, it's an awareness campaign. It is you sit down and you see a plate of food and you start asking, where did these items come from? If you are aware enough to ask that question, then you are starting your clean eating journey. Years ago, how I would have answered the question is, and actually this is still in line with it, but I think a lot of people think clean eating is if they've chosen a diet lane, like let's say vegan, or a lot of people do keto right now. And because somebody has chosen a what I call diet lanes, mm-hmm. they automatically think that they're clean eating. 
And what's happened over years is, and I find this more with the vegan movement than any other movement, is that that movement has hijacked the term clean eating. You know, chips and salsa are vegan, like Doritos, vegan, (laughs) Uh, French fries, vegan, Uh right? So it, it doesn't mean because you're vegan, you're a clean eater. And that's true for any diet lane. Interesting. So you're distinguishing between diets, you're calling them diet lanes, and what mm-hmm. what truly is clean eating. So how would one about go about discovering what clean eating is for themselves? That is it in a nutshell, because you are creating your own journey. So instead of saying, oh, I'm vegan, oh, I'm doing keto, you would just be basically saying, oh, I'm doing Greg, I'm doing me, uh-huh, right? right? I'm on my journey. I'm aware I'm asking questions. I'm finding out about the foods that love me back, not that I just love, but actually love me back. The foods that I get a return on investment from. So if I enjoy this fill-in-the-blank food item, drink item, how does it make me feel? Am I going to get bloated from it? Is it going to trigger a migraine headache? Then is it worth it? Is it worth me having that item? And so along with that, to help distinguish, to help people distinguish, we've, I've created this pyramid called the What Are You Buying Pyramid, and it identifies the types of foods that we buy. So 95% of us purchase food at what we call the industrial food level. That's mm-hmm. all whole foods, processed foods, any type of food that you go to the supermarket or you go to a restaurant and you buy food. That's industrial food. And again, it doesn't matter if it's a tomato, if it's a Pop-Tart, it's just industrial food, okay? And with all the industrial practices in which that food item was made. And then about up to 5% of the population want to do a little bit better than that. And so they seek out the label organic. I label, I identify that as industrial organic, That is because then you really don't know where it came from because if you go to the supermarket, you go, well, you see like, okay, product of Mexico or Peru, and it'll say organic or China. And it's like, it's not something that was grown here. So this, what are you buying pyramid is very enlightening because people, and it's not in a, see, in a pointing fingers, that's what you're buying kind of way. It's just in a factual, just Okay, this is where you're at. And if you want to do better, you could look at the pyramid and decide where you want to go. The top of the pyramid, of course, is grow your own. Mm -hmm. But not everybody can do that, right? (laughs) Not everybody, right, exactly. Not everybody can grow your own, but you can start small. You can do an herb garden. You can you can start small in especially with people in urban settings. And you know this better than I do. But we can't all own farm animals. It's not, not not plausible. So it would be great, but we can't all do that. So what's the next best thing? We'll find out who in your community is doing that and go and support them. So that's where we support, you know, CSAs, where we support local farmers that are doing true pasture, which goes way beyond grass-fed. And so you know, these are some of the ways in which I recommend that that's how you can start on your journey. First, be aware. Here's my food. How did the food get to my plate? If you ask that question, then that opens up 
all these other things that I just explained to you. Wow. And there's so many places I could go here. Let's talk about the deceptive marketing practices before we talk about your online course. What do you mean when you say deceptive marketing? Okay. So since we were just talking about the farming practices and animals, let's talk about grass fed. We'll just take that, right? So people fly with that. They'll say, oh, I only eat grass fed. So, okay, awesome. Where was the grass? Okay. What type of grass? Where was the animal eating the grass? Was it on a pasture or was it in a barn? Okay. So they go, okay, well, maybe it was in a barn. Okay. So then we go, well, then what about grass fed, grass finished? I go, okay, great. Yes. But once again, where's, where's the animal? Is it still in a barn eating the grass? It doesn't mean that it's out on pasture because there's a very big distinction between grass fed, grass finished, pasture, but people still don't know the questions to ask around that, right? right? Yes. So then we go, yeah. So then we go, okay, now there's a big difference, grass fed, grass finished. But if the, if the animal is still in a barn in an industrial setting, how different is that farming practice exactly? Because in our minds, when we hear this grass, grass fed, we immediately see, we picture a cow on a pasture. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. We see cage free eggs. We see hens out enjoying their life on a pasture. Cage free means nothing. Okay. They're still in a silo, you know, two miles long, shoulder to shoulder with the next hen. And for two hours a day, they open a, a back door. And if the hens know enough to get out, they can get out. If not, then the door gets shut again. So there's so much deceptive marketing everywhere. And that's not even just, that's not even the labeling, you know, that, the, or the other labels on processed foods. Like you can see, it'll say olive oil, gluten-free. You go, okay, well, that's dumb because there was never any gluten, any gluten in, in olive oil to begin with. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then they pay for these things. And then they'll, the same thing with GMOs. There's 10 GMOs. But they'll have something that's never been GMO'd and then say it's non-GMO. Mm-hmm. And so and the public doesn't know. They just they don't even know that there's just 10 GM, that not just, but that there have been uh, 10 crops that have been GMO'd. So this is part of the learning and there's deceptive marketing just just on everything. Yeah. And if you don't know enough to dig deep and ask these questions, and that's what the course helps you do is set your mindset into, well, what else are they not telling me? How else can I get these answers to my questions? So you developed an online course to teach people all about this. What's it called? Mm-hmm. It's called Get Food Smart, Get Real. And tell me about the course. Cause uh, you know, when I found out about it, it's like, wow, this is the stuff people need to know. Thank you. Yes, I agree. And I, I created it because I would see the pitfalls that my customers would come in. So it's based on, it's just like how I would talk to one of my customers that we've developed this whole relationship from most of my customers I've known uh, for years. And so I would, the content in the course is based on kind of where you would start and then how you continue to understand that this is a journey. It's not a destination. You don't really finish. It's just a lifestyle that you continue to practice. It's not about being perfect. 
So in the course, it's an online course. It's a self-study course. You can start anytime. Once you purchase the course, you have lifetime access to the course. It's over 100 narrated slides where I go through and talk about all of these important concepts that some of them were touching on here in the podcast. And also, there's a lot of downloads. So the heart and soul of the course is a very in-depth questionnaire that I've created to help you to ask some tough questions. I don't hear the answers. I don't read the answers. This is for you to get real with yourself. So the Get Real title of the course, because it's called Get Food Smart, Get Real, it's two things. Get real with yourself, but also get real with the food that you're bringing home. <laughs> Amen to that. And yeah. so there, there's, you've got some really good pieces to this. You already mentioned one of them. What are you, the What are you buying pyramid? You also have mm-hmm. 10 commandments for eating clean. Tell us a little bit about that, would you? Sure. So back in 2016, I was in a road trip going to a concert in Vegas. And I'm sure you're the same. You know, we're always working and thinking about work and we love what <laughs> right? we do. That's yep. why, yeah, that's why we do this, right? Because we love it. And so as we were driving home, I had said to my husband, I go, you know what, if there were just these 10 things that I can, you know, advise people on, like deceptive marketing, that's the third commandment, you know, there's, and so I said, like, commandment number one, let the ingredient list guide you. And I started creating this list. And I thought if there were just these 10 things that really, it's never telling somebody what to eat. Okay, that's not what this is because that would be a diet lane, right? A diet oh, lane yes. is some sort of elimination right. that you're depriving yourself, and that's why the diet never works. And so it's not about that. It is explaining the questions, the mindset, the things that you do. Grow your own is another commandment. Another commandment is get moving. So it's these kind of 10 commandments, principles that you do, question yourself of how you do them every day. And as you would do that, that would be the start of your journey in in connection with, you know, I have a plate of food because you control fork to mouth, asking that all important question, where did this food come from, is all part of that mindset shift. And the 10 commandments is part of that. Wow. And inside of your course, you talk about risk management. What's that about? Well, it goes back to, you know, there's a lot of people that will first start to say, well, I really can't eat clean because it's expensive. You know, they've already associated a price tag to something. Mm-hmm. And so, and most people, like in the course too, we go through the variety of different excuses that we come up with of why we can't do something. Then we start to quickly understand it really is just an excuse. But going through that, we start to say, okay, well, and most people don't challenge it because it's a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, it's expensive. Oh, you're right. Okay, let's move on. It's like, but how expensive is it? So if you're eating at the industrial food level, right, you stay at that level, and then that industrial food causes you digestive problems. Mm -hmm. So then you have to take some digestive aid to either settle your stomach solve the problem that is constipation or whatever else that food has caused. So now you spent X money on that food, on that industrial food, whatever that might be, plus whatever is in your medicine cabinet to remedy that problem. Right. 
Now, if you just if you added that up together and actually spent the better version, took that money and spent the better version of the food that you were trying to eat, whether it was a hamburger or a steak or uh, nachos, whatever it might be, okay, and then get the good, clean version of it. Because remember, clean eating isn't about deprivation. It's finding the same foods, just the better versions of them. Now you put that and you go, okay, now when I eat this, which is the better version of it, what's my return on investment? I don't feel bloated. I have better energy. (laughs) I don't have spikes in my, you know, the glycemic index isn't going up. My blood sugar's better. I have better cholesterol levels. I'll go to the doctors and get my blood work and see my blood work across the board is better. So that's what we're talking about when we say return on investment. Well, you know, I, I, I wish I could remember this young man's name. About a decade ago, there was this young man that did a TED Talk, and he was talking about food. And he said, you can pay for it now with more expensive food. Oh, yeah. Or you can pay for it later in hospital costs and health issues. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the second part of it. I didn't even go into that component of it. Right. So it's like, but it's also at the beginning, believing, see, it's a little bit shift in mindset because at the beginning, it's like you've just believed that it is more expensive to eat clean. And I'm basically saying it really isn't even from the beginning. Right. It's not more expensive to eat clean. So it's interesting because during the lockdown, when people are having to, you know, have had to cook for themselves and buy the foods and stuff like that. I've got a lot of people that come into the store and say, well, you know what? You were right because (laughs) I am saving so much money. I'm not going out to eat. We're making all our food at home. I've lost weight. I look better. And 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 I've had more than a dozen people say this to me and say, you know, and this is now, you know, I was forced forcibly into kind of clean eating because I don't have the convenience buys that I was doing before. Yeah. One of the curious things that I, and I guess not unexpected, is looking at my checking account through the whole COVID shutdown and seeing how much uh-huh. less I'm spending on eating out because we have been eating right. out exclusively at home. And it's like, well, well, there's a bonus too. It doesn't support the economy, but it definitely supports my economy and my yes. uh, internal biological working clock. Correct. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, one of the, talking about biological working clock, one of the questions in the questionnaire, because it's a thought-provoking questionnaire, it is, you know, the question is, how, what's your number in the sense of not the number that you want to see on the scale, but the number you want to live? And my number is 120. I want to go to 120. So right now I see, you know, I'm not even middle-aged, I'm like a baby. And so it's a mindset shift into thinking, wow, I have all these more years to go to accomplish so much more mm-hmm. versus just, you know, what are you going to do? And I explained to people in your in that what are you buying pyramid, the bottom part is the industrial food, and that will get you into your 80s. It absolutely will. But what kind of 80s? Right. On a walker, not great memory, not being able to do hikes. What? How many prescription drugs are you going to be on? And so that's where that bottom industrial food will lead you. And so that's a choice I, I that I've put down that I don't want to be in that category. I want to be vibrant 
and still living my life and coherent and doing well, you know, well into my hundreds. Wow, cool. And one of the mm-hmm. one of the health maladies that takes so many people down is inflammation. And inflammation can be a direct result of what you're putting in, right? A hundred percent. So there are so many autoimmune conditions that are just all based on inflammation. Well, some people might argue all disease is caused by inflammation. I'm not a doctor, so I can't diagnose people. And, you know, but I do, I do research and I, and I am, I do have an opinion. So yes, I would agree that most diseases are caused by inflammation. So it is trying to, it goes back to this risk management. You know, there's a risk with everything, but how do you manage the risk? So if you know certain foods can be a bigger cause of inflammation, then maybe those are some of the foods that you put on your, you know, do not eat list or your moderation list. Mm -hmm. Well, this sounds like a really interesting course. Tell me where to find it. Uh, You can go online, getfoodsmart.com, and that's the best place for it there. You can, there's a, uh, a free sample questionnaire that you could download. And then there's also a free mini course on the What Are You Buying Pyramid that you can just go and take and download for free. Awesome. And what was that website again? Getfoodsmart.com. Love it. So I want to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. That's an interesting question because, you know, I really have a failure's not an option mentality. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but I'm, I think the best way for me to answer that question is most people go into clean eating or some form of restriction because they have either come up with a diagnosis, mm-hmm. whether it's an autoimmune condition or a cancer condition, or they're you know, they have some, some illness. So when I first started my journey, I was hearing all of these people's stories. And for me, it scared me because it was like, wow, I didn't even know half of this stuff existed on these different types of illnesses. And said to myself, I really don't want this to happen to me. But years into it, I started to realize, you know, I have my own thing. And I've just always accepted it, that it's just who I am and, and my issue. So my issue is migraine headaches, and Mm. it started in my early 20s, and I'm still suffering from migraine headaches today at 52, okay? And I have a lot of customers that come in for migraine headaches, and I'll say, oh, you could try this and this, and I explain to them the different things and make sure you've gone through, you know, understand your food triggers, your sleeping patterns, some of the big ones, the things that I've done over the years. And then they come back and they'll say, oh, Pia, thank you so much. It works so well for me. My migraines are gone. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome for you, you know. And then I look back and go, I, you know, the, my migraines aren't gone. And I do all this stuff. Like, yeah. why are my migraines gone? You know, so I get down on myself. And but, but so I would have to say my biggest failure is my inability to help myself when it comes to solving my problem. Mm-hmm. And but but there's a big button this. I think I'm on the right track. I've just, you know, have three months down without a migraine. I'm doing something completely different that I'm writing about now. It'll be an ebook and it'll be available on the getfoodsmart.com website. 
so uh, if you see it there, then you'll see that I have made tremendous progress and tried something else that actually works for me. So the moral of my story is I've, yeah, technically I'm failing myself, not solving my problems with migraines. And I do everything that I explain to people to do and more. And I don't have a mindset of, oh, I'll just have one bite. I'll have a cheat day. And, you know, I don't, I don't subscribe to that mentality. So I don't do any of that. I know my food triggers. I know my sleep patterns. I know all of the, this, this information. Uh, so I've narrowed my problem down to hormonal and I'm working through that right now. And like I said, I think, I think finally, I have a little breakthrough for myself. But like I said, the moral of the story is I don't give up. Right. So I just, you know, I've been suffering for 30 years from migraines. And, you know, eventually I will find an answer that works for me. Yeah. Well, and this is really what we've gotten to in our medical health arena, I believe, Mm -hmm. is that if you have a broken arm, our medical community can absolutely handle it. If you have an autoimmune, mm-hmm. if you have some one of these mystery diseases, both Heidi and I have Lyme, and mm-hmm. we've gotten virtually no help from the medical community. We had to go out and figure it out on our own. We had to go yes. figure out what works for us, and sometimes it takes a lot of experimenting. Try keto. Mm-hmm. Okay, that didn't work. Try vegan. Okay, that didn't work. Try this, try this. You have to mm-hmm. be responsible for figuring it out for yourself because we cannot count on anybody out there to fix it for us. Yes, 100%. And that's part of the journey that is clean eating too is just like when you said you tried vegan, tried keto, and it didn't work, but you want to do the clean keto version, the clean vegan version, and then say, okay, take parts of this that worked and take parts of the clean keto that worked and start stitching all of these things together. And then finally your, you know, your diet lane becomes, I'm doing Greg, just like I'm doing Pia. I love that. Yeah. And what do you consider your biggest success? (laughs) Mm, My biggest success yet to come, I guess. I've had a lot of successes. I think I'm most proud of uh, all the relationships that I've had for years and years and years, including my marriage of 24 years, my friendships, since, you know, teenage years. So my biggest success personally is being able to keep together the values that I always hold true to myself and surround myself with those people that I've known for a long time. And so if you're saying success with regards to career-wise, you know, I've had a lot of success in my previous work in technology. Mm -hmm. I've had success with my store. And now I really feel my next big thing is my is my course, my Get Food Smart. Once I start doing the circuits and, you know, the public speaking for it and starting to really resonate because I've hit a nerve with the people in my store and they understand it. Yes. So they're beyond that, right? They're not doing these diet lanes anymore because they know it's that's temporary and it's not the right mindset. So promoting lasting longevity and the mindset and how to get there, that's what's most important, I think, for us. So I think my biggest success is going to be that. Oh, nice. So did you come up with this term diet lane? Yes. There's a lot of terms I come up with and then and then <laughs> suddenly I hear them everywhere else. But yeah, I like I'm assuming I did because I just say these 
say these things while I'm in the store, just kind of off the cuff. So yep. I believe that, yeah, it's something that is specific to how I speak. You could write a book about that. That could be a whole book about creating mm-hmm. your own diet lane, calling the, you know, call it the Pia diet lane or the Greg diet lane. <laughs> That'd be a good book. I like it. Yeah. Why don't we co-author that book? Well, there you go. I don't know how, how much <laughs> I'd have to say about that except the gardening part, but I'd be game. And what drives you? My love for what I do. You know, if you weren't, I was listening, it was so funny the other day because I was listening to, uh, I was just changing the dial on the uh, radio a couple times and I recognized the voice on the radio and it was Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was saying something to the interviewer and he was saying if it was just persistence and he said he said I think I became successful because I was persistent and Jerry said no you became successful because you love what you do Mm. and so I'm going to borrow that from Jerry I believe that you know the reason we're we're successful and we do what we do is because we love is what drives us yeah I could say that about me that's for sure yeah I thought that was really profound. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Oh, just one? (laughs) Mm. Uh, Well, you know, the romantic side of me loves Pride and Prejudice from the great Jane Austen, of Mm -hmm. course. And so I love kind of all of the Jane Austen uh, books. If it was, if you're looking for business, I really love Good to Great by Dan Collins. Uh, that's a really good business book that I've enjoyed reading uh, several times. Mm-hmm. So those would be the, you know, kind of on the just fiction and then uh, business book. Awesome. And what final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? The best piece of advice I can give to somebody is that you do you. You have to work out what's best for you. So by starting off with that, if it's with regards to food and you've struggled with food and you don't know where to start, just start today. You're going to eat something because you control fork to mouth and just start asking yourself, where did this come from? And that will lead you down. Uh, you don't have to take my course to, to start your journey for clean eating. That will ch- start to change your mindset. If you want to dig deep and be led and, you know, given advice and kind of be part of a community, that's the reason you'd want to be part of the course. But really, that simple question of where did this food come from really starts to open your eyes with what you're, with what you're about to do. So you do you. It's so important. I talk about it in the course, too. Yeah. Love that. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Pia. Of course. My pleasure. I'm, I'm thrilled that you had me. Thank you. Absolutely. And how do our listeners get a hold of you and get our free goodies? Yeah, the best part is go to getfoodsmart.com. All my contact information is there. And the free download is right below the fold. So just scroll down and you get two free downloads there and go through the items. Send me your feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're interested in the store, you could follow us on our social media uh, handles. So Artisans Palette on Instagram and Facebook. And also I Am a Clean Eater on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. And those of you who love to cook, I post a lot of my recipes and in my stories and hiking and like that. That's more on my personal side on I Am a Clean Eater. 
Perfect. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash get food smart. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.